0: Welcome to the Shut Up Show. This is the Brave Solopreneurs Podcast helping you shut up and make shit happen. Inside every episode, you'll hear raw and uncensored conversations with amazing entrepreneurs and thought leaders who bring their best work every day despite being scared shitless. You'll gain mindset strategies on how to brave through your fears, tactical advice to help you define your shut up moment, and impact-driven tips inspiring you to live and work on your own terms. And now, your hosts and co-shut-uppers of Making Shit Happen, Bernie Shung and Phil Gerbashak.
1: This week, we have got the amazing Srinny Rao with us talking Connections Awesome Sauce and Blogcast FM. We're delighted to have him on the Shut Up Show. Srinny is a surfer, a cool dude, and otherwise someone who's a friend to both Bernie and I, and we are loving the fact that we get some time with Srinie. So welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, thanks for
0: having me. It's really weird for a guy who talks too much to be on a show called the Shut Up Show.
1: <laughs> we do not miss the irony, Srinny. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Actually, it's most fitting. It is most fitting. Um, I'd love to kick off the show today uh because I actually hand selected you screen to be on the show for for very obvious reasons, and it really isn't ironic the whole shut up premise. Um, I'll kind of give you a background a little bit about that in case you didn't see our pilot episode, but Phil and I have have known each other for about two years now. And prior to us knowing each other, we've been kind of doing our own thing in our own little worlds, but we've both been coaches and we've both been people who've helped other people in the Milwaukee community, uh, shockingly enough. And when we finally met each other, something happened in my life where I was given horrible, horrible criticism and somebody told me to change my brand. They said you know that word that you have on your website I said, yeah (laughs) they said um we'd love to work with you but I don't know if that word would work with us and the word was shin-kicking they had a problem (laughs) with the word shin-kicking and I remember saying to Phil you know Phil I I just every time I feel this close to making it um, something happens where I feel like I'm being resisted by somebody and Phil said Bernie shut the fuck up and just go and be your shin-kicking self And so I'll never forget that day, Srini. It was about a year and a half ago, and we bring us to today. Phil has been giving me a lot of shut-up moments, and recently I stumbled upon School of Life. I stumbled upon Blockcast FM, which I'll let you talk about both of those um, in our conversation today. But Srini, I just fell so in love with the whole premise of that whole shut-up philosophy because I hear you doing that a lot. Uh And your writing. And so how I really want to welcome you to this show is first of all to thank you because I think you don't realize this, but you've given me a lot of shut up moments in the last, what, six months that I've been following your writing. And so I felt that it was so appropriate to have you on in the first few episodes of the show because you really were the epitome of me kind of wanting to, and I know you used this word with David before, like copycat. It really isn't. It's more. It's more flattery. I've been wanting to do my own show again since I, I ended mine in 2012, and you really gave me the inspiration to restart it back up. So cool. What do you have to say about that?
0: Well, I think it's cool because you know you're not copying. I, I think it's cool that you're doing it in this format. You're doing it with a co-host. It's not just hey, I'm going to go out and interview people like everybody else. So you're bringing a unique angle to it, which I think is awesome. Uh, you know, and and like I, you know, it's funny. I, it's a weird thing to start the. the this conversation with my rant on the everybody should start a podcast thing that everybody is preaching. I don't have a problem with that advice, per se. My problem is that people take anybody's advice, even mine, literally, which is, you know, I, I had this guy tell me, it's like, it's like fundamentalists in the Bible, right? No, nobody can really tell us exactly what to do. it. And I finally had to put myself in this place where one of the things that I realized is that I have absolutely no advice for anybody, just observations. What you do with them is up to you. Uh, because I'm like, who am I to give advice? Nothing about my life is perfect. You know, I'm 35 and I live at home, so you should, you should take my advice with a grain of salt if you treat it as advice. But, uh, but no, I, I think it, it's cool that you're doing it in this format. It's, it's different, you know? and I think it's cool that you're doing it with a co-host, and, and I, I'm very curious to see where it goes. And, and you know, the fact is Google Plus Hangouts haven't been used nearly as much as they should. Uh, and I think the, the technology has evolved quite a bit, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see what you guys do. Uh, I, the, the other thing is, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, from listening to Broadcast FM, one thing that I pride myself on is that I I'm a very 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 selective curator about what I will put in front of you guys, uh, and and sometimes I'll do it at the cost of downloads and traffic because I feel more obligated to provide the people who are there with something that's valuable. And also, I mean, I see it. You know, it's this is it's funny. We can we can talk about this. It's it's something that I'm going through mentally. As I said, you've been sort of kind of keeping up with. The evolution of it on Facebook. But, you know, the more that I do this, the less it is about, the numbers are, are important to some degree, but I'm kind of, you know, like tomorrow you're going to hear an interview with a guy who honestly will do probably nothing for our brand recognition, nothing for our download numbers. And yet I felt that what he was talking about was important. And that in my mind, the most responsible thing to do is use this platform that I have to amplify messages that need to be to be amplified you know as opposed to saying okay well let's see how many more people will become new listeners or how many more downloads can we get and you know will that help us sell more advertising yeah maybe but i, I see it as art too and like i can't the idea of compromising the integrity of, of what we do just to be able to get more advertisers that really bugs me you know i just i won't do that and, you know, and, and it's funny, and what's strange, believe it or not, is the people that you think are, are you, you would think would be these wildly popular guests are not. I mean, you yourself know. You've heard some b- bigger names. And sometimes the Greg Hartles of the world are surprises. And what keeps me up at night is how do I find more people like him? Because those stories are awesome. Like, those are the ones that we look at and we can say, holy crap, this lunatic walked out of his door with $10 on a laptop. Uh, and I can say that because he's my friend. Uh but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things and it's, it's, it's been, it's been on my mind a lot lately. It's kind of, you know, how do you select guests and how do you, how do you say, okay, you know what, this person would be awesome. We should have them. And they, they may not cause us to reach new listeners, but the, the impact is going to be on the people who have been there day in and day out and they're the most important people. Uh, so it, trust me, if I, if you don't, you know, rain me and I'm going to ramble endlessly. So I'll turn it back to you.
1: Yeah, well, I, just real quick, I, I think two things out of that, Trini, that are important. One, um, we love Greg, too. Greg's going to be on our show. We think his story is fantastic. And secondly, who wants to hear the stories that have been told a thousand times? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we live in a very different time than we used to where there was one story and it got told over and over again, and the only thing that happened is it got personalized a little bit. And instead of saying, Maybe, uh, babe, the blue ox, we talked about... Instead, maybe in a different place, it was a different animal that related to where we were. Those old folk tales that folklore is everywhere. Now, we're in a time where every story is hyper-personal, and yet Mm -hmm. it's our job to find a connection to that story as the interviewer, as the interviewee, to find that connection. Like Bernie said, shut up for a guy that talks too much. (laughs) If all you do is take that at face value, that's bullshit. But yeah. if you actually give a crap and you serve the people that are already there and they each tell even one person, mm-hmm. it's a much better grow of an audience than somebody who signs up because, you know, President Clinton's on your show and he endorsed you or Ellen or whatever. Right. There's some, uh, you know, some people are chasing that now. Like, ooh, I'm going to get a celebrity's attention. You know what? I want the attention of Shrini. That's <laughs> what I'm looking for. Really? You know, I want a relationship, man. I want somebody that I can trust, that I can relate to, that isn't Uh like me, but is exactly like me. And that's what we're trying to do here.
0: Well, yeah, and that's, you know, that's so core to so much of of the way that I have been even, I mean, if you look at my writing, I think it's very reflective of that lately. And it's funny because it's so counterintuitive to, to think that way, right? Because if you look at people who are successful, it appears that they have these just massive platforms and that, hey, if I have all the numbers they have, then I'll have all the success they have. And you're kind of like, no, not quite. You have a unique story. You have a unique angle. That's what actually matters. That's the kind of thing that makes you unmistakable. You know, this this whole idea. Uh, You know, the thing that you can say, you know, like... When I, when I gave my speech at Misfit, I opened it by saying, you know, when I got this email from AJ and Melissa, they said, we've been watching what you're doing, and we'd be really honored, you know, if you'd come and speak. And I said, you know, I, I thought about that, and my first thought is, you've been watching me commit career suicide on Facebook, one status update at a time, and you want me to show other people how to do that? That sounds awesome. Let me look into the flights. Uh, and, and that was how I opened the talk, but at the same time, like, uh, it, it was, I mean, the whole point of, of the art of being unmistakable was that you tell a story in a way that only you could? You know what I call sort of the no bullshit version. You know, start shedding. It. You know, like Bernie. I think your example of if somebody said you know remove shin kicking from your website and you said you know it just made you cringe to want to do that. There's a problem there. You know, and, and it's strange because I mean it's making me even evaluate the kind of work that I want to do. I mean, you know that I've been part of a couple of people's book launches and I, I won't ever do it again after this uh mainly because i feel that i'm going through this crisis of conscience where i feel like wow i have this amazing sort of group of people and, and this incredible bank of social capital and i'm using i'm making withdrawals to try and push somebody else's agenda in a lot of ways and you know some people have come to me and said well you're connected and i just, i realized there's I, I ran into a huge ethical conflict with this i don't feel good about doing this it's like yeah i can help you market your book but to for me to abuse the, the people that i built to help somebody else market their book it feels slimy because they're not getting paid for it. I am. And it's like, okay, what incentive, you know, how does that, I mean, if that benefits them in some way, great. But I, you know, I, one of my friends asked me recently, she said, hey, would you be willing to, to work with me on, on a book launch? And I said, well, what part do you want? She said, well, I want you to do all the outreach. And I said, you know what? I won't. I said, you can do all that on your own because I'm not going to do that to the people. that I've, I just, I can't fathom doing that again. Like it just, and you know, this last book launch has been very challenging for me. And I realized why, you know, and I, this is the first time I've kind of publicly said it. I don't, hopefully the the launch will be done by the time this is, uh, public. But, uh, even if it's not, I mean, I'm going to finish this because it's the right thing to do. But I realize I probably will say no to almost everybody at this point. Like if it's something that, and then, and then the other example on on the flip side of that, you know, Bernie, you saw the the thing that I shared uh, by Victor Saad, uh, the Experience Institute. I look at that and, he, you know, he didn't even ask me, and you know, he said, "Hey, Srini, he said, do you think we could get bloggers to write about higher education?" He said, I, "I'd even be willing to pay you for your time." I said, "Don't even worry about paying me for my time." I said, "This is something that's important. I'll do what I have to. I've been making every introduction I can to get the word out about that." Um, so it's it's a really sort of weird balancing act, but it's it's counterintuitive to think the way you guys are talking about, right? You know, most people don't. It, the thing is, it's very you can kind of understand it intellectually and say, okay, yeah, that sounds nice. You remember Danielle Laporte once said, you know, if it's not a joy to make, don't make it. And you can kind of say, well, yeah, easy to say when you're Danielle Laporte and you've got a book on the sh- you know a book on the shelf in a major bookstore and you know a thriving business and everything is perfect according to us. But but strangely, she's right, and it's it's very hard to embrace that mindset. But something very weird happens when you do. Like I I realized I will never create anything that I don't enjoy creating. Um, that even, you know, we came back from Misfit, you know, I'm working on the art of being unmistakable as as what I thought was going to be a Kindle book. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, I was like, it's just not going to have the same impact. I can't like, I want to showcase Mars Dorian's artwork in it because he's the most unmistakable artist I can find. I, I felt like his theme should be infused throughout that. And I said, I can't do that in a Kindle book except on the cover. Whereas if I just do it as a collection of essays that I give away for free, it becomes a piece of art. And what do I gain from it? Who knows? I'm not even thinking about that. I'm thinking about that's going to be a lot more fun to make than formatting a Kindle book and uploading it with a cool cover and saying, "Hey, check out this thing I created. It's on Amazon." You know?
2: You know what I love about talking to you? It's it. You write the way you talk, by the way, and I'm sure you know that. <laughs> Seriously, because like when I listen to you talk right now, it's exactly the way I hear you when I'm reading those words on the Facebook updates, when I'm reading your blog posts, when I'm reading your newsletters. It's amazing. I can, I can kind of see, and, and I, I got this word from you, this word that uh, you used in an interview one time on Blogcast FM. but I can see the deconstruction okay. of kind of where I am now, but let's go back and connect all the dots, which leads me to where I started. But when I started, I had no idea I'd get here now, right? Yeah. I do a shitload of that, Srini. And when I, when I read your writing and I hear you talk, I do the exact same thing as I'm listening to you talk. So can, can you help us, take us into that, take us into the story. Because the one I'm thinking specifically for me is 2008
1: when uh-huh. I quit
2: my job, left my safe salary, really nice uh, perks, and I started my own thing having no clue what the hell to do except all I had was sales experience. A couple people in my network and a couple thousand dollars in the bank. Um, I can remember then until now how many decisions I made along the way where I thought I fucked up. But mm-hmm. now that I'm here today, I realize, oh, now I know why I'm here. Can you kind of take us back to a time when you can think of that pivotal moment that maybe led you to this point? Oh, maybe yeah. I mean,
0: I think there are probably so many of them, but I, I guess like Justine Musk had a way of, of explaining this that it was more eloquent than I could ever put it because she's Justine and that's what she does. Uh, But she talked about molding moments, and I think we all have them, and we don't recognize them when they happen, and that this is, you know, it's that whole Steve Jobs thing, the dots only connect when you look forward, you can't connect them sort of, it's it's when you can't connect them looking forward, you can only connect them looking back. the whole sort of moniker of corporate misfit, I mean, it was really funny that I found AJ, and then I started to just, I gave myself this label, and I realized bit by bit that was starting to make its way into every, it was, it was very hard not to talk about it anymore because I thought, wow, I'm, I've been living a lie. It's all been a facade. I've been giving people this impression. I, I've, you know, I've, I've only subtly hinted at all these things in what I've been working on, and I, I thought, okay, you know what? There's I can't subtly hint at it anymore, especially you know the presentation "Confessions of a Corporate Misfit" went viral on SlideShare. I was like, okay, well now I'm completely fucked. You know, nobody's going to hire me ever again, anyway. So there's only one thing left to do. But let's let's go back a bit before that. Um, I, I think for me, pivotal moments really, or my molding moments. One, I mean, I think obviously you're, there's no way I'm going to go through this without mentioning surfing. Uh, but catching that first wave. I didn't realize what that would do for my life at the time, but I thank God. I mean, a surfing probably saved my life, even though some people will tell you it ruined my life because I mean, I had really bad stomach problems. I mean, I was, I was in a, I was in a pretty dark place mentally. And the worst part was I didn't even know it, you know, it was sleepwalking through life. And I thought I wanted all of these things. I mean, every girl I dated, I dated for kind of, you know, the validation that would come from it, you know, with other people saying, oh, well, your your girlfriend is hot, which, you know, she may have been, but she was also a gigantic pain in the ass. Um, Hopefully, she's never going to see this. But uh, anyways... Uh it's just, so everything became about validation. I mean, every decision in my life was based on the external value of that decision. Like, it didn't, I never thought, what is the intrinsic value of doing this? And surfing really has, has even, strangely enough, even surfing in the beginning, I'll tell you a story about how I busted my ear drum, because uh, even surfing was actually about the external validation that came from it for a while. Uh, I remember I was in the water. This is probably three, four months into surfing. I was like, yeah, all the, all the surfers are awesome. All girls like surfers because they're cool and they look awesome. And there's these three girls next to me in the water on surfboards. I'm like, all right, when I catch this next wave, i got to look really awesome because there's these girls who I, to this day I've never talked to. Um, i got to look awesome because, you know, they are cute girls there. And, of course, like an idiot, I wipe out, and the next wave comes my board whacks me in the head. And... You know, for a long time, even that was like this, hey, I'm a surfer, I'm awesome, uh, you know, the validation that comes with it, and it stopped. There was a period in which I, I I lost sight of the fact that the reason I surf is not for any of those things other than, God, I love this and I want to feel this way all the time. That's it. The, the pure, intrinsic joy of doing it, because, you know, I mean, there's no external value or economic value to surfing, not at my level. I mean, if you're Kelly Slater, you might disagree, but... Uh, you do it for, for the pure joy of doing it, but that kind of has found its way into every other part of my life, a bit by bit. And so, so the, you know, the first wave was definitely a molding moment. Uh, you're getting out of business school with no job, you know, no, no job and no hope even. Forget Forget no job. I mean, I literally, I told my mom, I said, why the hell are you guys here? This is a funeral, not a graduation. You shouldn't come. And I wish you hadn't invited all these relatives from around the world. This is embarrassing. And my mom's like, yeah, we'll go out and celebrate for lunch tomorrow. I said, you know, we don't need to celebrate anything. I'm like, this is, you know, this is my death, basically. Uh, I mean, it was, it was a, I mean, to, to walk on a stage knowing, wow, I just pissed away a lot of money and, you know, it's like, this is the most expensive surf lesson I've ever had. Uh, But amazingly enough, you know, it's, it's one of those things when you, when you look at it and you're like, wow, I think if, if, if we, if you may have read this when I said if I could push the reset button on my life. There's a lot of things that I would have done differently, but if I could push the reset button on my life, all the things that I would have done differently, like wouldn't have brought me to this point, which has been, you know, really, we wouldn't be. It's it's entirely possible we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. And you know, it's it's one of those things you think about. It's like that movie, Mr. Destiny. You wonder. It's like if this one thing had been different. And I I do sometimes think about it. Sometimes, like, I just want a glimpse. I want to see what it would have been like, but you know, and then you realize, okay, if I could push the reset button on my life, what wouldn't be there? We only think about the bad things. We don't think about the good things. So, you know, that, that became it. And then finally the last time I got let go from a job, uh, you know, first my hours got reduced to 10 hours a week. And then I was in Costa Rica. My boss, I I got the email from my boss and I knew I was like, okay, that's it. I'm going to be fired. And this is, he said, you know, look, he said, give me a call at your earliest convenience. That's never good. You know? So I called him, he said, I'm going to cut to the chase. And he said, but I mean, he paid me for it. I mean, I learned a lot from him. He paid me for three months just to to make my transition easy. Uh, He said, look, I know you're down there. I'm not going to leave you hanging like this. I mean, he was a genuinely good guy. He's the only boss I can honestly say that about. Uh, But that was kind of it. That was the last straw. I mean, it was clearly this does not work. I don't belong in a job, no matter how painful it is going to be to try and do it another way. Which it has been. I mean, I, I've never, I've never hidden this. I mean, the the last couple of years have been really hard at times to know that, hey, I, you know, Ralph Quintero asked me about this once. I said, it's really kind of a bizarre perception that people have of me because sometimes it's wildly inaccurate. I said, sometimes I feel like I am, I told somebody once, I said, you know what? It's like being courtside at a Lakers game with all the celebrities, except you're not one of them you know it's like you're invited to the party you get to drink their booze but at night you go home in your Volkswagen that fits a surfboard they go home in their limousines and Mercedes uh and that's and so you know and that's changing it's evolving in a very weird way right now Uh, I think, you know, my friend Clay Hayward is like, who are you kidding? He said, okay, he's like, the way you make it sound is as if it's tragic. And I said, it's not tragic. He said, your star has been rising for quite some time, which that I'm not going to deny. Like, I think, but I also, you know, I put in a lot of time to this. I mean, this has been like four years of sweat equity with very few external rewards. And this is the thing I think that when when you talk about how those dots connect is, is our, unfortunately, our conditioning, uh, what happens in my mind is that we start out in school with no external rewards. I mean, when you're in a kindergartner, like if a kindergartner is sitting in the corner building a Lego castle or building something out of blocks, and you say, why are you building that thing? He's not going to say, well, because I want to put it on my application for MIT. You know? But then, by the time you get to high school, why, do, why does anybody do anything? It's because they need to apply to college. It's like, well, I don't really want to do this activity, but it would look great on a college application. It's kind of the same thing as resume building, but, uh, you know, at a much younger age. So, I think that you the thing that we have to kind of get our head around, and again, this is tough, it's not easy to do this, is the ability to do something for a really, really, really long time with a lot of ambiguity, as as Greg Hartle would say, and also zero external rewards. Like, you know, why in your right, why the hell would anybody do this? You know? Because you think about it, I mean, Bernie, you've caught us, you know, at a very pivotal point in broadcast FM where things are, are evolving at a very unusual pace. But you didn't see the the ugly ass website that we put up in February 2010. It was like, who built this? The first thing that somebody said is, "Wow, your design is shit." You know, it's like this is really ugly. And we thought, okay, and we thought we had the greatest thing ever created. And and you know, I got, you know, I would get emails from people like, "You talk way too much, man. You just shut the hell up during your interviews." Uh, you know, and all of this stuff, and and you know, I mean you know the funny thing is the idea that you'll ever get to this point where everybody loves you is ridiculous i just saw an amazon review today from somebody who had been a big fan and actually it was a four star review and the first two lines says i'm not a big fan of shrini the author and this is somebody i know really well and i've known for a long time and i i was like wow okay i guess you know i mean it, it's it's really weird to think that but whatever it is. anyways so the thing is that everything basically evolves, and what happens is the dots connect looking, you know, you look forward, but the view continually changes. You can't possibly see what's going to be next every single time, it, you know, every step forward. You know, I showed you the landing page for that event that I'm working on. I haven't even put it out there. I've just been kind of, you know, showing it to people here and there, and I'm like, and there's a part of me that is like, what am I waiting for? And, and literally, I, every day, you know, I have it on my to do list. Buy the actual domain and move it over. And to to the actual you know name of what it's going to be called, that takes thirty seconds, and I still haven't done it. Um, and but I'm, I'm happily showing it to like you know everybody one by one, which I I think it's it's it'll it'll go public within a, a couple of days.
2: Well, of course, a real real quick segue. What was that quote that I asked you on Facebook to remind me, the one uh, that you told me?
0: And you said that, <laughs> that was like from months ago? Uh,
2: but that's what I'm about to tell you right now. The advice I'm going to give you right now is what you told me. Something along the lines of if if you're hesitant to hit yeah, publish, then what, then what?
0: It's probably the greatest work of your life or something along those lines. So, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's one of those things that you know, you... Every every step forward, the view changes, and so that's how the dots connect. Play, like, you know, you have all these molding moments, and strangely, it's really funny because now I look at it and I'm like, wow! If I hadn't been fired from every single job I'd ever been at, what would I write about? You know, all these things that I thought were these huge inadequacies would leave me with nothing left to write about. So, but I'll, I'll, turn, I'll turn Not- it back to you.
2: Thank you. No, and thank you for taking us through that. I, I That's the whole point. You know, Phil and I talk about on the show, we really want to get inside the mindset of the brave solopreneurs that we have on the show because far too often we, we focus on all the technical and mechanical stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Any, anybody can write a blog. Anybody can learn how to write a newsletter. Anybody can learn all of these tactical and technical skills. But you know, I think what we often forget to talk about, and I don't know if it's even forget. I think sometimes, Srini, you can attest to this. I know Phil, too. Sometimes people are afraid to go there. Sometimes people are afraid mm-hmm. to get a little bit deeper and say, what is my fear? You know, what what is the shit that's holding me back? What's all this, you know, the lizard brain and the brain junk and whatever you want to call it? Um, people often gloss over that because it's too icky. It's too mm-hmm. icky to go there. And I know you would go there. That's a, That's the reason why I started to love your writing. Now, I don't know how you wrote. Prior to the last, what five six months that I've been following your stuff, but like I said, even in the last five to six months, I have seen your writing evolve so much. And the one word I've told you this word before, but the one word I'll say again is I see so much vulnerability in your mm-hmm. writing. You know, so so quickly tell me because I don't want to take up you know too much more of uh, all of our time today, um, Srini. What 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 causes you to to be able to move past the fear and be able to write as vulnerably as you do.
0: Well, I think, you know, as I mentioned earlier, one of the things that when, you know, obviously there are other people who inspire us a lot. I mean, for me, AJ has been a huge influence. There have been certain people who, like I saw what they were like and and they have been very, very, I can't not give credit to probably three people who deserve a lot of credit for me to be able to go, kind of go there. Um, One is AJ for sure. uh, Just kind of, you know, I like the idea of misfit was something I identified with on so many levels. I was like, wow, I'm like, I don't fit in. I never have. i sucked at everything I've done up till now. I am definitely a misfit in every sense of the word. Um so naturally, you know, when he asked me to come and speak, I thought, wow, that like was like the greatest honor in the world. So AJ, I, I can't not give him credit. Um uh, I would have to say James Altucher is another person who has given me the courage to, to look. Because I've seen what it does. I've seen what it does to people. And then Kamal Ravikant because he said, you know, he said, there's there's all you can really do is share your truth. And so I decided to start pushing the boundaries of that. of course, like I said, it didn't hurt that there's this gigantic thing on the Internet that says Confessions of a Corporate Misfit featured on the front page of Slideshare. It's like, wow, this guy would make a fantastic employee. We should hire him. Nobody probably looks at that and says that and now if you google me or anything there's you know it pretty much is is everything that's coming out of me is the actual truth like unfiltered uh you know i, I think you asked how do you do it for me there was nothing left i didn't you know i, I had a friend who sent me an email it was a little dark i, I met her at a bookstore once and she said you know she's like and she graduated from law school, and she and I keep in touch occasionally. I mean, she started reading the School of Life, and now she's off of, of Facebook, but we keep in touch with the email. And she said, I've even, you know, she said basically, she wrote me this ridiculously long email. It's like, the suicide date has been put on my calendar. Um, there's nobody left to disapprove, and nothing, or nobody left to disappoint, and nobody, you know, nobody left to disapprove. And I looked at that two words and I said, you know what? Forget all the rest of this stuff. That is it, right there. It's like, wait a minute. There's nobody left for me to disappoint. I've, bur- you know, I've, I've screwed up pretty much everything that I could possibly screw up that would, you know, really cause the worst case scenarios. Um, the only thing left to do is to tell the truth and deal with the consequences. And I think I said it the other day somewhere. I said, uh, you know, it was a, a section on sharing truth. I wrote it the other day in Fargo. I said, you know, I'd rather spend my life. I'd rather share my truth, unfiltered, you know, no bullshit, honest to a fault, than spend my life living a lie, and that is is kind of what has brought, and, you know, I think that, I mean, of course, you know, I've had a lot of time to refine the craft of what I do, uh, and I I can't discredit that, and a lot of the, and I've learned from so many people over the years, but, you know, it's funny, because you start out trying to sound so much like other people, and then you kind of you, this whole finding your voice thing is a very evolutionary process. So I, I think all those things combined have kind of brought me to this point where I'm, it's just something has happened. I, I, cause I asked Melissa when I said, you know, you guys, we, I knew about Misfit six months before it was happening. Cause I had AJ on, on broadcast FM. And I said, what made you guys call me suddenly? And they said, we've watched something in your voice change. it's, There's something, and I think it it ties back to everything we were talking about at the very beginning of our chat about this, what is going on in my mind in terms of what's important. And that has been a very, very weird process. I feel like I'm on some sort of drug, but, you know, even though I'm not, just to be clear.
2: (laughs) Sure. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Phil, I'm sorry. I've been taking the whole show. What do you have for Sweeney before we let him go?
1: No, I'm totally listening. I, I think um, one thing that I heard is no regrets, but no repeats. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't regret anything you did, <coughs> but you're probably not going to do it again. Yeah, right? you totally. You wouldn't want to be fired from every job for the rest of your life. No. But at the same time, without that, you wouldn't be who you are. So I think that's important. Right? You made the best of everything that you could, mm-hmm. and that really helped propel you forward. So I think that's that's one big thing and the other thing that I heard you say is it takes time to learn how to be yourself yeah so be patient with that understand that's a process we're gonna have Steve Farber on Farber's got three words that he's gonna share um, I talked to Farber yesterday he's he's got three words when you when you hear that you be like duh no kidding but that's <laughs> it. I mean and that's that's really it I mean because it takes time right We we do have these expectations, false or true, that other people expect us to be a certain way. Well, how about, why don't we just be? Mm -hmm. And it's hard. It's not easy.
0: Not at all. definitely not easy. It's it's one of those things that I think that the first time you wake up and you realize, you look in the mirror and you actually see yourself, it's terrifying because you're like, holy shit, I'm out of my mind. Like I'm a complete lunatic, and now the world needs to know about it.
1: Well, now I'm willing to share it. I think more than even know about, it, right? Because now yeah. we don't care who's listening. Exactly. Right. I mean, seriously, we have one viewer. We had two at some point. So, hello, viewer, whoever you are. But we had. Oh two, wow! And yeah, right. And and one jumped off. And seriously, if our goal with this show was to please them, right, we'd immediately turn our attention off of you, Srini, and say, "Okay, viewer, are we okay? Are we on track? What's going on?" As opposed no. to do that. We're happy that they're viewing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not telling them to jump off. But at the same time, if they don't like this, then, you know, jump off, I guess. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Only after you shut up, though.
1: <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, we have to think about that, though. Right? The, yeah. the need to please, mm-hmm. as you found out, Serene, and you wonderfully demonstrated for us, is bullshit. So we yeah. need to tell that lizard brain just to shut up, and whatever it takes, whatever form our life is whatever form our business is, we just have to continue to move it forward and be okay that it's going to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And even if it conks us in the head and bursts our eardrum, it's not about looking cool, it's about learning. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. And speaking of learning, Srini, like I said, I have learned so much from you. A lot of the tips that you've showed me, and again, it's when you write, I know you don't write to tell us that that's the way we should write, but you give me so much bravery to be a better writer by being more vulnerable. So again, I want to thank you for that. and We no, could go thanks. on and on and keep talking <laughs> to you all day. We love you to death, but we know we've all got to go. You've got a bunch of stuff you need to do. So before we let you go, though, where can people find you? I know there are a few places that feel free Yeah, to so to um, I guess on
0: the screen, uh, my Twitter handle is there, so at School of Life. That's where I do most of my tweeting, and then uh, strangely, these days, I'm spending most of my time Right. If you want to read my writing that, that you guys have talked about, Facebook.com slash d Rao, and then, of course, Blogcast FM is the other place.
2: Awesome. And one more thing. What exciting thing do you want to share with us or that you're able to share with the audience that you're working on?
0: Okay. So I my next project is uh, going to be called the Art of Unmist- or The Art of Being Unmistakable. That was actually the title of the speech I gave. And it's kind of brewing in my head. A lot of it, people have been exposed to uh, through a lot of these Facebook essays. But I think I want to really put it together as a bigger thing, uh, and I want to see what what the effect is. And uh, I think I think it's going to be one of the. To me, this is probably going to be the the funnest thing I've done. Like as far as taking just a lot of joy in the creative process, this is the one. This is the one that I think is for me the most important one I've done yet. So
2: awesome! So I can expect to see updates on your writing on Facebook then.
0: You will. I mean, I'm, okay. I'm waiting for, for I we're, we're pretty, like, I was assembling it yesterday, and, and I was looking at it, and I said, wow, look, I'm very close to actually being done with the really hard part. Now is going to come the part which is, is actually really fun, which is getting to play art director of my own project.
2: Woohoo! Awesome.
1: So,
2: well, keep us posted.
1: Will do. Thank you, Sereni. We're so glad you're here to teach us how to shut up and, <laughs> and fall through some of that stuff that uh, holds us back. So we're really, really thankful. Awesome. Thank you for having me.
2: We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Shut Up Show. And remember, if you don't want to miss a single episode, simply go to our website at theshutupshow.com and subscribe to our newsletter. Until next time,
0: folks, shut up and make shit happen.